Hi everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of B2B Nav. This week which is going to be quite a conversational topic in the sense that we wanted to discuss the future of websites. Um, we're seeing our clients um, and a lot of the different companies trying new techniques and new technologies out there now to kind of make their websites pop and bring them to life. Um, and we've got a myriad of experience I guess on the call today uh, different generational aspects, different specialisms um, and different skills who can certainly pass comment on where websites are at the minute, the direction some people are taking uh, and I guess the merits and some of the drawbacks of those as well. So where shall we start with this, the future of websites? Uh, websites as a whole, I guess, were typically seen as the, the shop window to a brand. I guess that's where most people start off with. Um, do we think that's still relevant does anybody want to chip in there in terms of i guess that as an opening opening comment i think um the first thing we kind of have to talk about here is how um everything's multi-channel these days and we can't be sure what the front window to our brand is mm -hmm. you know if we went back 20 years ago or 30 years ago the front of your brand might well be your yellow pages entry yep. nowadays well going back 10 years ago it would have been your website nowadays people can find you in a myriad of places mm -hmm. so for some people on that journey the website is going to be your your shop window for other people it might well be your social media presence or, or your trade media presence things like that so i think we have to be aware of the fact that we don't know where somebody's going to drop into the journey these days and what people know about our brand when they see each of these you know different channels and do you think do you think that's a, ge a generational consideration, or do you think it's a um, buyer buyer journey consideration? I think a little bit of both. I think we'll we'll see patterns uh, changing across generations, but mm -hmm. I think also just the way technology's been moving and the different channels that are out there to get your information, that that that's probably been the main driving force behind this. All right. Okay. And, and picking up on that point, I guess uh, I always come to you for the age generational thing, Sam, but it's always interesting to get your perspective. If you're looking at a brand or thinking of engaging with a brand, whether it's for a purchase or an employment perspective or whatever it may be, where's the first place you go to? And this is very individual to you, I guess, but I mean, representative of the younger guys as well. I think for me, a lot of the time I tend to go to websites and then I normally find social links on their website. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I feel like now you sort of want this almost complete experience of that brand and um, and John will know more than anyone about sort of keeping it consistent across those channels. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that to me is important that you can go on the website and there's a link to something else and there's a link to something else and you have this complete picture of a brand rather than I think you used to just have, as you guys were saying, here's the shop window, you know, here's all you're getting. So you're so seeing it, you're seeing it more, as a, more as a hub almost in a way, like an access point to branch out from into other areas yeah it's, it's more of like an expansive experience now than i think it was before okay and john would you echo that i guess in terms of obviously there's the the brand consistency point as it as it flows out through the websites yeah. but do you think people are going to websites to get that 360 experience these days or do you think that's more of a as sam's kind of suggested there an entry point to then carve i think out sam's areas? right and i think i think it's really interesting when you think back to sort of the dawn of websites mm -hmm. we've kind of worked in reverse that every single marketing tool that you have mm -hmm. pushed people in to the website and i can remember phrases like the web is the hub of your communication strategy yada 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 and the mm -hmm. website was that central point and that was before we ever even got into the sophistication of 
you know, calls to action, conversion rate optimization, all of the kind of stuff that we do now and take for granted. Yeah. It was all pushed into the website. I think Sam makes a really good point that now, aside from perhaps, I'm, I would say possibly Google's the one stage before the website. Mm -hmm. When you get to the website, you are then shooting off into little microcosms of a brand because they're kind of getting so fractured. So you'll go, okay, I'll go and see what the Instagram personality is, or I'll go and see what the LinkedIn side of the business is, or what the Twitter feed is saying. Or and do you think that's you know, an issue? Do you think that's an issue? Because you hear from some clients, don't you? They want to, you know, they're desperate to keep them on page or in the environment to the extent of once you've got once you've got somebody, a prospect or a customer into yeah. World, being the website primarily um the moment you speak about throwing traffic away from there to an, diverting traffic somewhere else everybody seems to get a bit panicky is that yeah. is that think, something that people I, should be concerned about or not do we think i think it's two viewpoints i think ollie will probably take a slightly different one to me yeah in the you he'll like come a bit from a very much a kind of keep them in the system capture data keep them moving through and then the other side is, well, isn't it better to keep them interested and engaged? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. On the site is the ideal. I would, I think you'd agree, Ollie, that that's yeah. if you can do it all in one environment. Mm -hmm. But equally, is it credible? Is it possible? Is it functionally feasible yeah. to do everything you want to do in that one environment? You may want to, I don't know, I'll pick stuff out of thin air. You may have captured someone on your website, but you might want to demo a piece of SaaS software or mm -hmm. show something that your platform can't support. So you do have to take them out. Mm -hmm. But I think as long as they're part of the journey, yeah. Yeah. you can loop them back through. I think there's not a problem per se. Yeah. And I think you can get in the way of what a user wants to do. And if a user wants to exploit your social media, for example, at that point in time, for whatever reason that, that might be, then you don't want to get in the way of them. But it's, it's also yeah. something you don't necessarily have to push people to do. That's really interesting in terms of you're right. They need to be in control of their own destiny, but that makes it all the more crucial for the brand experience to be consistent across those channels or have a connection or cohesiveness. So that when I go from www dot to Instagram, I'm not suddenly hoyed out of one brand experience and put in a totally different world. Yeah. There's gotta be, connectivity between the two yeah yeah okay and some sort of like strategy that says okay this person has come from a to b now i'm going to let them you know feel like they're tread walking their own path but at every point i'm trying to bring them back into a very specific kind of i'm going to say the word click funnel mm -hmm. or experience that has an outcome that i want to get to well, let's pick up on that point then, because I was going to lead us into um, more around the objectives behind websites and you know what you're trying to achieve from it. But I guess let's, let's come we'll actually loop back to that later. One of the, one of the things you know clearly we want to discuss here is a lot of websites are very very focused on inside out who we are and what we do and what are our products and services, and we are seeing this shift in in the. Um, towards customer centricity, non-linear selling, and that kind of non-linear experience where you are trying to, I think as you said, John, almost predict what somebody wants when they come to your website, 
which is pretty difficult to do. Let's be honest. I think unless you know your buyers inside out and you're completely up to date with the relevant um, trends and, you, and even across markets and across sectors and across business groups and across you, you name it, very, 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 very challenging to kind of nail that first time, which obviously allows for optimization as things go. But we are seeing a trend in the marketplace of people moving towards this, whether it's um, a chatbot flow through conversational marketing to kind of start that process or click funnels as you've referred to there john um ollie do you want to give an overview for maybe if anybody's listening who might not be that familiar with click funnels as, as a point because i don't think it's something we've particularly referenced before on the on the podcast yeah so really it's all about channeling people through to a certain place giving them a limited uh, set of options and, and basically making it small steps at a time to be here's that piece of information you want You've got one option really from there, let's take you through to the next step and so on. So we're guiding people down a fairly narrow funnel, but one that's been designed, I suppose, from, from the beginning to be what the majority of the audience are likely to want and therefore more likely to engage them. Whereas obviously, if you think about a traditional website, it's more like, here's everything we have to offer, our full, full portfolio, full company info and so on. Yeah, so the classic website would typically have uh, wires about us, services case studies contact pages and all that kind of thing whereas on the new way of approaching websites and kind of utilizing that click funnel uh, technology you're, you're almost going to be greeted with what are you looking for today and then some some options to pick from in a sense aren't you so it's, it's still a website design it's just a structure that's more conversational and have you have you seen these sam are you familiar with these kind of websites where you, you know, you've got these kind of options presented to you yeah uh, I, I think they're quite interesting because it's sort of a a similar journey built in a different way almost yeah um, and I think people are trying to almost just optimize that journey and sort of empower their buyers to make decisions and they're trying to make it easier and it's, 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 it's streamlining of the process I guess a lot of people argue I think that they're doing this to cater for the modern b2b buyer because this is what the modern b2b buyer wants they want this freedom they want this non-linear sales process they don't want to be told they want to educate themselves as part of that buying process do we think that is the case at the minute? I appreciate we might be early on in this, but do we think that that is representative of the of the average B2B buyer, particularly at the minute? I think it can feel a bit false almost sometimes where I think when, when people almost funnel too much and they say, this is what you want, this is, you know, this is what we're going to put in front of you. Yeah. It, it feels like instead of you allowing them to make the decisions, you're making decisions for them and then disguising it in a way that it appears yeah that you have a bit more sort of free will than you do so i think you have to be really careful on i guess how much funneling we do because it can end up with quite quite an aggressive bombardment of questions can't it if you're not careful yeah, yeah. i think i think there's also this like this kind of interesting kind of thing to remember that behind it all these people have already done a ton of research before they land on your site yeah they'll have, yeah. you know ollie always quotes you know people have read four five six pieces of content to every one of yours don't mm -hmm. you tend to find now i think people are more like ready when they land in that sales sort of process mm -hmm. i think we might have lost ollie by the way i don't know if he's there or not but yeah no i think sorry john i was yeah. just getting distracted then trying to mute him so we didn't lose the sound altogether um <laughs> but yeah no i think from um i think you can end up creating that false kind of journey if you're not if you're not careful with the way it's done but i also think at the minute it's very challenging not to do it in that way but it's but it's it's for me for me it's a lack of engagement you're talking about engagement and it doesn't feel uh, yeah it feels more going back to the 
don't want to say the bad old days, but you know, when you had that kind of feeling of very hard, cold call sales where it was mm-hmm. like, okay, we know this about you. Do you want to buy a widget off me? Well, what, you know, what, what happens if somebody comes to the website and one of the options you've given them isn't what they're looking for? Different, different yeah. way of looking at it. So when you say, you're, okay, you're here to do this, this, or this, what, what if they're not? You know, because it involves a, uh, a very carefully orchestrated flow to make sure you get everything right. Yeah. I know you, I know you, you can have a catch-all, to... something else, something else, something else yeah. as you're going through. But... I think it's a risk unless you know your market incredibly well. You are, and I think this is potentially why it works or you see more of it in the kind of the b2c arena mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that you don't tend to get multiple personas yeah to the degree that you do in b2b with a b2c offer so i don't know let's pick a, a chocolate biscuit for example you know yeah there's not there's not like a massive buying cycle and multiple personas involved in that there's some very simple things do you like chocolate Yes. Do you like biscuits? Do you want our chocolate biscuits? Type yeah. of thing. It's kind of. Yeah. Whereas with the type of thing we work, the world we work in, and in B two B in general, you tend to find not only have you got incredibly complex kind of buying cycles, you've got multiple personas, potentially multiple mm-hmm. uses, multiple mm-hmm. markets. Yeah. So to actually do that, really true, pure, straight down, you know. One, two, three, and you're there. Yeah. It's nigh on impossible. Yeah. So you've got I to think, do so much pre-qualifying. Well, what I'd say here is this is where we should um, really start thinking about uh, research and optimization seriously, because a large number of, of clients and, and companies out there kind of still treat websites like let's build it once and that'll be great forever. Whereas if you carry out that research properly beforehand to understand, not just assume, but really understand what your, your buyers are out there uh, looking for, and then as you start to introduce this kind of process, make sure you understand are the options that are being presented actually reflecting them or not. And if not, and, uh, add to that, uh, then you can end up developing a journey that's smoother and faster. But if you don't do that research and if you just make the assumptions, I think there's a big danger that you'll just end up. Yeah, you might uh, be you know, giving a great experience to a set of the audience. But there's probably another set of the audience that are just getting really frustrated because the options that are being presented to them aren't what they're looking for. And yeah, oh, is that where things like getting a bit more focused on SEO, potentially using subdomains and kind of almost like creating more granular individual journeys, would that help there? Um, potentially, I, don't think, I mean, getting into the technical setup, I don't think there's necessarily a reason to start splitting things out. It's more about understanding where the users are coming from, what channel they're coming from and trying to tie that into the journey because you'll have more of an understanding then about what they're up to. So for example, if they have come through SEO, if they've come through paid search, we should know um, roughly what, what they're coming in looking at. So yes. let's give them a, yeah. an experience. Um, so kind of this to the that. journey based on that kind of referral point. Yeah, exactly. I get the pr- I get the principles of it very much so. I can understand that it's going to increase the speed of finding what you want or could do. I understand delivering a more personalized experience so it's not you don't have to wade through the generic content that's sat there. But I don't know. For me, for the meantime, the examples I've seen of it, and I guess um, certainly not kicking social chain here because they, you know, they've led the way in this and they've effectively, for the meantime, abolished their traditional website altogether in favor of this more I call it click funnel um, experience. And um, 
you might, I, say, I think, yeah, I think you're right, John, exactly right. And when you say in terms of it's more the B2B, B2C split here, arguably, but it just falls a bit flat with me. It doesn't, it does, certainly doesn't make, it doesn't feel like a futuristic use of technology. But I wonder whether we're being naive to an extent as the, as the consumer, arguably, here, when you go on the website of, you know, are, are they really just building a database of, data and for future AI use here where they can make more predictions around people's behavior and what people want when they come to the website and therefore apply that to their clients' websites. Because obviously they're trying to build a tool here, I assume, build it out so it's something they can sell mm -hmm. further down the line. I can see what they're, what they're trying to achieve. And I think depending on what you're looking for, I think at the minute that might be delivering the right kind of experience to, to customers. Yeah. So, I think there's an argument here for, if you think about the size of a website, it's often quite hard to find what you're looking for. If you can just give people the five bullet points they need to know instead of having to have them hunt around your website for 20 minutes, that can be a much better user experience. And I think that's what they're trying to achieve, get you to that key information quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose they're supporting kind of like guided selling really, uh, instead of taking you through the whole rigmarole, let's just get you what you want. So I think from that point of view, it makes sense. And I think, yeah, coming back to your other point there, there's, there's definitely an argument here that they can, they can use this to, to build on a lot of understanding in terms of how they should be shaping things for themselves in the future, but also how they should be shaping things for clients. Because mm -hmm. with anything like this, uh, and, and this ties into things like conversational marketing too, the more people you have interacting with something, the more data you have in terms of is it working for them? What would they rather see at this point? What do people typically do when they do this? Mm -hmm. Whereas I think it's probably a bit harder with a website in general because it's so open. It's probably easier to see when our guided path isn't working for somebody than it is to see when a big open field isn't you know, guiding someone correctly. It just feels incredibly rudimentary though, doesn't it? I think also from a... Cause I know it isn't, and I know, you know we, we've done it with the conversational marketing settings, how, how challenging it is to implement and get the flows correct and optimized and so on. But I guess, Sam, from a, from a design perspective, what, what, it hardly pops, does it, at the minute? It doesn't feel like a premium kind of offering, maybe? I think it's, it's a difficult balance, and I started thinking about it before. With um, I think we're, we're quite good nowadays at sort of throwing around it the sort of term of this is the new thing or, you know, this is dead, we're doing it this way. And I think looking at a website like this, I think they've maybe lent into the chatbot functionality too much mm -hmm. and sacrificed instead of, instead of creating this as something that can effectively uh, replace a website, I think they've sacrificed some of the functionality of a website when maybe they shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to find from a design and UX standpoint, an effective balance of, you know, this chatbot will lead you through and help you navigate a website that otherwise might yeah. be confusing. Mm -hmm. But also having that shop window, you know, there's nothing bad about having the shop window. It's, it's quite a positive uh, thing to be able to show mm -hmm. people an insight into your business and then guide mm -hmm. them through that process. And I think you sort of combine the, the sales funnel with the letting them have an experience. You know, it doesn't have to be, mm -hmm. right, where do you want to be? You know, you want to be at the uh, about section in two seconds flat, click this button. Mm -hmm. sometimes I think, I think people want to experience that website and that brand mm -hmm. yeah I think the one of the things here, and I think it could go either way really which is that the defying convention there's no doubt about that yeah um, so that can obviously have a, a bit of a positive impact initially there'll be a bit of um, kind of buzz around it and people will share it because it's different mm -hmm. but also from a usability point of view when something that isn't conventional it generally starts to confuse people 
um, just from the point of view of, you know, where do I go now if I want to see an example of this on the website or where do I go to see that on the website? Because it's, it's not where I'm used to websites putting things. It can be harder for me to find. So for example, we're all familiar with buying a main nav bar that is yeah. often these days sticky at the top of the site, or we're familiar with that burger menu, the three lines that will bring a full menu. Mm -hmm. If a site doesn't have that and there's no obvious menu, it means that there's a little bit of time for me as a user to find where the information that I'm looking for is. Um, so obviously they're trying to address that, but I think that's just, it can go either way. Are they, is it enhancing and new enough that I'm, I'm loving it or is it confusing and frustrating? And I think time will tell um, with their audience how, how people find it. Yeah, I, I appreciate their, their bravery for trying something new. And I also think, you know, they are trying to set the, they're more trying to shape the future with what they're doing, I think, and force the future through, which I, which I understand. And I'm, trying, I'm, always trying, I'm always trying to balance with personally myself the, that it feels unfamiliar, as you said there, Ollie, in the sense that there is a certain comfort in familiarity of a design of a website that you do know where to find things, you know the basic structure, you know the walkthrough. And I think, I personally think in B2B with a lot of the clients that I personally work with, that's valued still. Just the, the, the ability to know the flow, to know the rough structure of the website and know where to find things. And I think as Sam was saying, getting the balance right, maybe between conversational marketing, marketing, chatbot interactions, click funnels alongside a more mm -hmm. um, traditional website experience. So maybe a hybrid of some kind to trial it. Um, social chain have clearly gone, you know, balls out to do the, to do the, uh, the full more, uh, yeah, click funnel experience. Because that's what we have seen with with some clients and with other companies out there is that you'd have your traditional website experience and you'd have yeah, something like a chat bot that would give you that more to the point, quick uh, guided view of, of uh, yeah. information. I think it's what you want out of it as well, isn't it? I think that's always kind of got to drive what the, te the technology you employ. So I always find, for me personally, I find chat bots conversational marketing click funnels are always they're always orbiting around a very specific outcome yeah be that a demo a sale a call you know a, an actual tangible thing mm -hmm. that, i think yeah i'm kind of i think i've kind of come to accept that that's okay yeah but when i'm doing the kind of when you're in research phase the last thing that you want is to be forced in any one direction. And I think, you know, particularly in B2B, people, if you don't give people a choice, they'll immediately, it's like anything, if it's, if it's Hobson's choice and there's no choice, people will veer away from it. So I think yeah. Sam nailed it on the head there, that the kind of the platform, the technology, the way that you interact should correlate to the buy sort of the timeline. Mm -hmm. So thinking about if someone's aware you don't want to put someone who's unaware into a click funnel straight away. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I always liken this whole buying cycle to going on a date or trying to meet someone, mm -hmm. you know, you don't just, you know, you've got to be pretty brave and pretty confident to walk across a room and just start talking at someone yeah. about what you can give them. You mm -hmm. Typically what you'll do is you'll do some research. You'll kind of, engage slowly and surely and give them give valuable insight and content along the way to a point yeah and i just think click funnels are sort of right right at the end of that chain and they have a place they absolutely have a place to kind of help people just get over the the final i think i think they do have a i think they do have a place i, I, I still question unless you've got an incredibly simplistic b2b business whether they've got a place at the minute 
I'm just not, I'm not convinced, I suppose, it's, you know, it's not often I say that normally, I, I, I do embrace any technology and stuff, but I think for me, for the meantime, I wonder if it's a bit too soon in B2B because on its own, it's, yeah, so, it's so unfamiliar to go for the whole hog with it. And that's where I do think the conversation of marketing bots come into play, where you can dip your toe in that area mm-hmm. and, and, and optimise and track and yeah. see what kind of engagement you get like, with it. Click, click funnel light, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, the yeah. perfect way to do it in that you should, yeah. I guess, if you've got all your technology kind of aligned and the stack working properly, you should know and be able to lead score almost dynamically that person mm-hmm. there kind of what they've done, where they've been, what they've mm-hmm. downloaded, yeah. how long they've been there. And there'll be a point where you hit the trigger, isn't there, Ollie, of whatever mm-hmm. we decide, 66 yeah. or whatever the lead score is, that you can go, right, well, let's engage the conversational marketing now because they've done this, this, and this. We know this. We can apply this and we can offer them this. Mm-hmm. I think, And then it works. Especially if we look at B2B at the minute and coming back to, I think it's Matt's point about, uh, I guess, the level of complexity. It, it's it's a really long decision-making process for a lot of our clients, buyers, and they need to do a lot of research, they need to do a lot of understanding. There's a lot of documentation that they're likely to want to see with mm-hmm. relation to, to products before they make a decision. And that's obviously going to start, there'll be a lot of thought leadership content and educational content, but then you'll get into that really detailed granular content a lot of the time around like specs mm-hmm. and, and uh, case studies and things like that. And a guided journey isn't necessarily, in my opinion, like the best place for that. If you look at what Social Chain is putting out there at the moment on their website, just as, as an example, they're giving you that short introduction to each subject and then it's have a conversation to find out more. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the way B2B buyers are typically buying these days, they're doing a lot more of that research process before reaching out to someone. So if yeah. you've got if you've not got a lot of content out there on your website, but you can have a wealth of content that would allow your buyers to, to kind of self-qualify, but they can't qualify whether yours or not is the right solution, then they might end up just going with the, you know, with the people that whose, whose solutions they can verify without having to reach out. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a comfort factor of having that, isn't there? You know, I'm all, you know, great believer that if you can't back up what it is you're purporting to sell, mm-hmm. You know, it's very hard to convince someone to actually engage with you and think about for building a relationship. Yeah. And that's where you're, you're right. The case studies have got to have depth. They've got to have results. They've got to have kind of context. And I guess lo- looping back across all this to close out today, because obviously we've, we've talked a lot around ClickFunnels, which I think is interesting because it's a relatively new, new-ish thing. It's been around for a couple of years, but we're starting to see it come to the forefront slightly more across the um, various b2c applications and creeping into b2b but ultimately i think when we when we're working with clients across um web projects and so on the key thing is fundamentally not losing sight of the objective of what you want that website to do yeah in, in its simplest form correct so in the sense of yeah is it, is it a lead generation website is it for awareness is it more of that shop window kind of classic introduction and brand awareness piece but the one thing i would say is if it's a lead generation website I also recommend having something in there that's obviously going to help generate those leads because I think we've seen several clients of late, not particularly on projects we've been engaged to work on with them, where they'll refer to it as it's going to, it's a lead gen website and you go, great. Okay, cool. How are you driving traffic to it? And what, what content have you got and what have you got to the engagements on there and what's the call to actions. And when you go on the websites, there's none of that in a way. So there's no, there's no valuable engaging content. There's nothing to keep people interested or occupied. And also the call to actions are either hidden or non-existent. So I think it's quite common to see call to actions along the lines of get in touch. 
and you'll see them often and a website might have that yeah. written on every page but how often are people really engaging with them and and where is that person that's on your site in the buying cycle have they just mm -hmm. found out about your products and yeah. solutions and yeah it seems it's, it's still really right. early on and they're not ready to talk to sales yet they might just want some additional information mm -hmm. or are they somebody that's that's come through a paid search ad that's really specific and they know they want to buy at the time in which case that contact yeah. just uh, box might be the perfect thing for them at that moment. Mm -hmm. I think building on that, that, we have a sort that. of. Um, I think we almost have an issue of. There's a bit of like a generalization. I think when um, I think people say this is what the B two B buyer wants, and we sort mm -hmm. of pigeonhole it into one person and say, that you know they want to get from A to B as quick as possible. And I think listening to you guys talk about sort of the user experience angle of it, I, I think we have to consider that there's certain people that want certain different things you know a lot of people want to do that extra research before they get in touch a lot of people know they want to come to the website and get straight in touch mm. i think the danger with a chatbot is that sometimes you can push people along the same journey yeah um when there's a mm. you know a multitude of of buyer needs that you need to fill i think um, that's what that i think that's where if you get the automated chatbot flows and the conversational marketing flows designed but tailored to every part of that journey which mm -hmm. i know is what um you know ollie and the team do a bdb to that extent because the the generic chatbot pop-up that doesn't say anything that's unprompted yeah i i'm not, I'm not into that either because i think like, as john would say that's just bombarding people with the relevant pestering whereas if you've got it tailored to you know somebody's looking at a case study let's say on your site and the chatbot pops up and says this case study focused on uh, pr would you also like to see another case study on pr or would you like to learn more about our other services and then i mean instantly it feels a more tailored approach which yeah. is beyond a click funnel which i agree with you so i'm a click funnel is just going this is a one like go that's down a mindset thing <laughs> go down this people see your journey yeah 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 i think that's a mindset else, thing that people need isn't it yeah. of they need to think clearly. Technology will not buy, buy or in essence of itself, solve your problems. It is there to help. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, as a business or a brand or a product or an individual or a corporate entity, have a position on what you want to achieve, you know, just banging in a click funnel, banging. And we've all been in conversations with clients and with colleagues and with people where they go, well, we'll just do that. And you mm -hmm. think, well, just well, you know, so let's put the anchors on and figure out why we want to do it. Yeah. You know? And there are places for all of these things, you know, whether we like them, dislike them, feel they've got value. There's a place for everything, but you need to figure it out in your customer's journey. And mm -hmm. it might be that, you know, persona, persona A never sees a click funnel, never sees a chat bot, just browses. Persona B might be just conversational marketing the whole way. And that's kind of, I guess, where the interesting stuff comes is working the dynamics of who engages with what type of technology and how. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any other clothing, closing remarks before I wrap up? I, I suppose just echoing what you said a moment ago, Matt, for one thing is focusing on what you want, things like your website to achieve and then tying this all together. And I'm sure we reiterate this point a lot, but just take that time to understand your buyer and make sure you're building a, a great customer experience for them. Cause at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Mm. Yeah, and I think on that point, the key thing is don't assume. I think we, you know, I, I always come back to this point, but when we say understanding your buyer, 
Um, I think every everybody falls foul of thinking they understand the B2B buyer. And you can read as many journals and you can read as many um, Harvard Business Review pieces on um, understanding the modern B2B buyer. And that's theory. And obviously there's stats and there's research behind it. But understanding your B2B buyer, the person that engages with your products and services, is absolutely critical in this process and may involve a, a level of deep dive research before you even start thinking about design and, and, and UX yeah. and so on. So and just a tiny thing to add to that is that you, you'll have some knowledge of that from speaking to your sales teams and account handlers, but they'll only have one perspective of it. Yeah. So reaching out and speaking to the buyers themselves and, and to prospects is, yeah. is the way to complete that. And you'll, you'll find that there's usually an awful lot of overlap in terms of opinion there, but there'll be also some, some places where that diverges. And if you just rely on your internal opinions, then you're, you're missing out something really important. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ollie. Um, feel free to check out um, our latest uh, knowledge release, which is all around brand. And I think it's brand during a crisis. Is that right, John? Um, it is indeed, yeah. Quite so check, I think. Yeah, uh, so check that out on com, our online ungated content hub to help our clients, prospects and contacts navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. And on that note, thanks very much and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank Bye. You